بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين أما بعد As we previously mentioned Allah سبحانه وتعالى in Surah Al-Fatiha has summarized the message of the entire Quran in the first surah, which is Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the characteristics of the Bani Israel, the Yahud, and how they would transgress against the messengers that were sent to them. If they were given a simple instruction, they would ask multiple questions, and that same simple injunction would now become a complicated matter to fulfill. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has discouraged us from asking unnecessary questions and he says that the nations before you were destroyed because of them asking unnecessary questions. Islam does not prevent or prohibit any person from asking questions but the questions should be structured and it should be asked with the intention of amal. Sometimes the person asks a question but after the response is given he says no but I heard somebody else say something else. So then why are you asking? Then follow the person that you have trust in. So the Bani Israel, their characteristics, the Yahud in particular, were highlighted in Surah Al-Baqarah. In Surah Al-Baqarah was completed, the next Surah was commenced yesterday, and it was recited and completed today, which is Surah Ali Imran. And before the, 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 the end of Surah Al-Baqarah, there was the recitation of Ayatul Kursi, and also the last few verses of Surah Al-Baqarah, which have been uh, highlighted in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the importance of ayatul kursi uh, it is an ayah a verse which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights his, his majesty and his greatness and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes himself and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says a person who recites ayatul kursi after every salah shaitan cannot harm him in a hadith in sahih al-Bukhari Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu says, once Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had some goods in the courtyard of the masjid and he asked me to be on guard because Abu Huraira was living in the masjid, he was a student of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So he said, I was watching this heap of goods which was in the courtyard of the masjid and I saw a man quietly sneaking into the masjid and trying to take something from it. And I went up to him and got hold of him and he began to weep and beg and ask for mercy and he said Rajulun miskin that I'm a poor person I've got a destitute family and they need assistance so please don't don't inform Rasulullah about me and allow me to escape so Abu Huraira left him he felt pity for him pity for him and he left him the next day Rasulullah said to him Ya Abu Huraira ma fa'ala asiruka al-bariha oh Abu Huraira what happened to your captive last night so Abu Huraira was shocked that Nabi Sallallahu is asking him about something nobody knew about. Obviously through revelation Rasulullah Sallallahu was informed. So Nabi Sallallahu was explained by Abu Huraira that this person came, he made this excuse and I left him. Nabi Sallallahu said, Innahu sayaud, he's going to come back tonight. So Abu Huraira says, I knew he's going to come back. And I waited and I saw him coming again. And I caught him for the second time. And he pleaded and begged and wept for the second time. And I felt pity and I left him. Abu Huraira was a very soft-natured Sahabi. So the next day Rasulullah sallallahu the second time asked him, ma fa'ala asiruka al-bariha? What happened to your captive last night Abu Huraira? 
So he said, Oh, Nabi of Allah, I couldn't help it. I, was, I felt him too sorry and I left him. Then the Nabi said, He will come again. So Abu Hurairah made a determination that now I'm not going to let this chap go. And he, he got hold of him when he found him sneaking into the masjid. Now this person tried to make the same excuse of the family and the children. Abu Hurairah said, No, I'm not leaving you. He said, Okay, I'm going to tell you something which nobody else would be able to tell you. He says, what is that? He said, it's the most beneficial gift I can give anyone. He says, what is it? He says, if you recite Ayatul Kursi, no shaitan can harm you. So Abu Huraira says, well, he gave me something very valuable and he released him. So the next day, Nabi Sallallahu said, what happened last night with your captive Abu Huraira? He said, oh, Nabi of Allah, this is what, what he said to me and he, he told me the importance of Ayatul Kursi. So Rasulullah said, Abu Huraira, do you know who that, that person was last night? He said, no, O Nabi of Allah. He said, that was shaitan himself. And had you kept his hand, the Muslimin of Medina Munawwara would have woken up at the time of Fajr and seen shaitan shackled in the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he said, sadaqaka wa huwa kathub. He is a great liar, but on this occasion he spoke the truth. If you recite ayatul kursi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect you. And this is something we should teach our children as well. Before sleeping, after the Fadl Salawat, recite Ayatul Kursi and blow. Many times our children are uncomfortable, they wake up crying or they, they are disturbed. Whether they are small or big, we should recite and blow on them. These are the most powerful remedies that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. And the last two ayat of Surah Baqarah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anh, says, I cannot understand how any Muslim can go to sleep without reciting those verses. Rasulu bima unzila Till the end. The next surah is Surah Ali Imran. Al means the family. Imran is the name of the father of uh, Sayyidah Maryam السلام, the mother of Isa السلام. So this surah highlights the characteristics of the Christians and the Nasara. Surah Al-Baqarah highlights the characteristics of the Yahud, how treacherous they are, how they plot and plan, how they ask questions not to make amal, not to practice on an injunction. And the Nasara and, and this is actually mentioned in Al-Fatiha, غَيْرِ الْمَغْضُوبِ عَلَيْهِمْ الضَّالِّينَ The people upon whom Allah's anger had descended and those that Allah is displeased with, those who have deviated, that's the Yahud and Nasara. So in Surah Baqarah, the Yahud are highlighted. In Surah Al-Imran, the Nasara are being mentioned. And in this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights the defect in their creed and their understanding or attributing divinity to Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam merely because he, was miraculous, he had a miraculous birth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says a miraculous birth is, doesn't necessitate divinity that a person is now worthy of worship because the similitude of Isa alayhi salam to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is like, like Adam alayhi salam. One was born without a father, Adam was without a father and a mother. If being without a parent necessitates being worshipped, then Adam alayhi salam would have had more of a, of a right to demand that type of of, uh, of worship, which is not the case. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights various uh, aspects in the surah. He also, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us of the fact that the surah is called Ali Imran, the family of Imran. Imran is the father of Maryam and Maryam is the mother of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. To show that Isa alayhi salam is a person with a lineage. He is a creation of Allah that does have a genealogy up to Sayyidina Adam alayhi salam via his mother. Yes, his birth was miraculous. That was the great favor and bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. But 
but that does not make him worthy of worship. In the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala narrates the entire episode of how Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam uh, was conceived. His mother was conceived, the mother of Isa alayhi salam. So uh, the wife of Imran, who some of the historians say her name was Hannah, but the name is not mentioned in the Quran, she takes a pledge and a vow to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and she says, Oh Allah, I'm, I'm expecting a child. And I am dedicating this child to your worship and the service of your deen. So she fell pregnant in the later part of her, of her marriage. And when she fell pregnant, she automatically made this promise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, respected brothers and sisters, for goodness to come in, in a progeny, it starts before. It doesn't just start, now a child is already a teenager, now you, you say, let's go for Umrah and make dua, he comes right or ask the sheikh to make dua for him so the child, the daughter comes right. No, it starts before they are even born. So the mother of Maryam, she makes dua and she says, Inni nadhartu laka ma fi batni muharraran fataqabbal minni. Oh Allah, I have pledged this particular child. Assuming she thought perhaps she's getting a son. And she said, I will dedicate this son and devote this son to the service of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the places of ibadah. Where Sayyidina Zakariya alayhi salam was... Uh, at that time present. So she made the intention that she will dedicate her child to stay in the company of Sayyidina Zakaria alayhi salam. And uh, she says, Oh Allah, you accept this from me. Then when she, when she, conce- when she, when she gives birth, وضعتها, oh Allah, I gave birth to a baby girl. And there's nothing wrong with a girl or a boy. That's also a misconception of jahiliyyah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed parents with both, and both of them are bounties from Allah. In fact, in the Quran, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights his gifting of children to people, he first mentions daughters. Allah says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses as a gift with daughters to whomsoever he wills, and he gives sons to whomsoever he wills. So, it is a, a, a misconception of the people of Jahiliyyah that assume that a daughter is unable to achieve greatness or uh, to achieve heights in, in terms of spirituality and piety and even in accomplishments of dunya. And nowadays, many, many families or parents, you hear parents complaining that, you know, we thought we'll have a son and the son will be of, of use to us, but our daughters are of more benefit to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us pious and obedient children. So she, she says, this is a, a girl. And a, a male and female are not equal in terms of devoting them to the service of Zakaria alayhi salam, what I wanted to do. And then she says, Maryam, And I named her Maryam. Some of the scholars say that here yeah, the mother is saying she chose the name. So it doesn't have to be a fight between a husband and, and wife. But the mother does have also an entitlement to choose a name on condition that the name is a name of nobility and a good name. We should avoid what is currently in vogue. The people hear some name of some model or some actor or some actress and they try to, like, not anglicize but Arabize. So take an English word and try to make it sound Arabic and ask the Mawana if how do you write this in Arabic? Not asking what's the meaning of the word or where does this name come from. 
So this is very important. When choosing a name, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has informed us. And in fact, he would change the names of some Sahaba if their names were inappropriate. So we should choose names of the pious, the names of whether it be sons or daughters, the people in the past whom Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala was pleased with, the companions of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the names that they kept, male and female. That should be something which we should keep in mind. Then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "Fatakabbalaha Rabbuha biqabulin hasan." That dua that she made, the pledge that she made, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted it with a beautiful acceptance. وَأَمَّتَهَا نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا And this, do- this daughter, this beautiful daughter who was going to be the mother of Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, Allah allowed her to grow in goodness and piety. This is why we always make the dua, اللَّهُمَّ أَمْبِتْ أَوْلَادَنَا فِي الْإِسْلَامِ نَبَاتًا حَسَنًا Which is a sunnah dua. We, oh Allah, allow our children to grow beautifully in Islam. So they should grow with their needs of dunya being fulfilled but also with the beauty of deen in their lives. So they've got dunya as well as at the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which gives them integrity and it gives them honor in this world as well as in the akhirah. So in the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala highlights how he, uh, he gave barakah in the, in the life or in the dua of a mother, in the dua of a parent for the child even before the child was born. And then Sayyidina Zakaria alayhi salam, he also makes a dua. Because he, was, he didn't have a child and he made dua at a later stage in his life, seeing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses a family in old age, blesses them with, uh, with, with a child and a daughter. And he makes dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala later on to bless him with, with pious offspring. Even a Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this dua. So how much more important isn't it for people like us who are not infallible and not pure like the Anbiya alayhi salam that when young couples are getting married to make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them with pious and healthy children those who have children already should continue making dua for them the dua of a parent is readily accepted in the, in, in the haq of, of, their, of their children and many times uh, the scholars say that parents don't make sufficient dua for their children when they do something wrong we say yeah you're hopeless you're not going to come right in life that itself an utterance like that from a parent can render the, the future of the child damaged and the child can have a detrimental end if a father or a mother would be uttering such words which they don't regard to be serious but by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it has weight so when we speak to our children or about our children then we speak with good words and we make good dua for them at all times so we make dua for our parents we have to make dua for our children as well and when we do this inshallah maybe a time will come when we are not in this dunya I mean, the, the, the mother of Maryam left this dunya. At later stage, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam came into this world. Such a great messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who was born miraculously, whose birth Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in detail in Surah Maryam. So sometimes the manifestation of the dua doesn't necessarily have to happen in your lifetime. Ibrahim alayhi salam, in the first juz, he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, bless me with a messenger amongst my progeny who recites your verses and he teaches people the book and he purifies them. He made this dua. And that was Rasulullah who came centuries after Ibrahim salam. So sometimes that dua will be accepted in your lifetime, but sometimes it will manifest itself later on and you will still be a beneficiary of that particular dua. So these are some of the lessons. There's many other points that uh, I wanted to touch on. Inshallah, as we go along, if there are important notes that we can draw our attention to, we'll discuss that. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to have full conviction in the message of the Quran and the message of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and may he give us tawfiq to practice on the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam a reminder respect to brothers Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam before the month of Ramadan encourage the sahaba radiallahu anhum to engage in a few things the first is to say ashadu an la ilaha illallah and the second is to say astaghfirullah to make istighfar and repent ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfirullah the third thing he said was is the third and fourth are two things without which we will never attain salvation and that is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for jannah so in Arabic it is Allahumma inni as'aluka al-jannah and the fourth is wa'a'udhu bika min al-nar so the, the first is ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfirullah Allahumma inni as'aluka al-jannah وأعوذ بك من النار وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وألحقنا بعبادك الصالحين ربنا تقبل منا إنك أنت السميع العليم تب علينا إنك أنت التواب الرحيم وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين